Hello. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, man, how's it going? Good. I'm trying that thing again. I guess it's going. Sounds good. Yeah, I listened to it, and I thought it was fine. Uh, I didn't think it was as good as, like, the other one, but it wasn't... But maybe I'm not picky either, you know? I just did Yeah. I was like, oh, this is fine. I'd listen to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not too picky yeah. either. I'm just... Yeah. I don't know. I may not talk as long tonight. I don't know. I'm, because I got to do it outside because my parents to service here. So it's yeah. like... So it's kind of cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. Yeah, I know. I just walked outside of my parents' house too and I was like, I'm it good. is so cold. So I'm going to sit in my car. Hopefully, hopefully I'll keep service. If I get in my car, then maybe I can turn it on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, but, seriously, no pressure, man. I'm free tomorrow evening, the next evening. So whatever works best for you. Have you I moved back could, home now? Yeah, basically. I, mean, I guess I can always cool. go drive, too. I didn't even think about that. Since you're driving. You can always do what? I said I can... Oh, yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Come on. <laughs> you're, you're fine. <laughs> anyway, nah, I just stay here for now. As long as you can still hear me, just let me know if it starts breaking up or something. So, Okay, no, what have you been up to, man? Oh, today I worked and then I got with my family, basically. I haven't seen them in a while, so that was fun. Been reading, um, and I've been kind of jumping around a lot over the past couple days since we last talked. I read James and then Proverbs, and then I read that chapter in Ecclesiastes uh, every day. Nice, yeah. And that's... I don't know. I like how it makes me feel, but it's, like, not comfortable at all um, because it is very sobering. Like, it's very humbling, and I love it, and I really, really like that. Um, but it's definitely not, like, one of those ones that you read, like, like Psalm 100 that makes you kind of feel happy, at least yeah. for me. It's very yeah, yeah. humbling. It's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, that's, I yeah. think that is. Like, if I had to pick a favorite chapter of the Bible, I think Ecclesiastes 12 would be my favorite one. Mm-hmm. But I used to read it, like, every year, every single day, and I need to get back into that. I did read it after a while, because it was, like, after, you know, Verona died, so then it kind of made me sad. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, I don't know what's weird, because sometimes it did, but then, really, honestly, like, I feel like, when I would read the book of Ecclesiastes is when I could deal with the grief of loss better. Be- like, really? Yeah, just because it puts this, it really works that eternity mindset in you and lets you, like, it... Yeah. It's, uh, it sounds like a depressing book, but it's, like, vanity of vanities, all this vanity is, like, one of the sweetest things you can ever hear because it's, like, this promise of a life to come, sort of, you yeah. know? Yeah, and exactly. So it, yeah, and so it's just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I love that book, man. So you read all yeah. the book, the whole book of Proverbs, too? No, not the whole thing. Just okay. kind of jumping around. I've been thinking cool. a lot and reading different things about, like, thinking about perfection and then thinking about Job, kind of like since our last cover. I'm so into it. Can you hear me? Sorry, it, yeah, cut out a second. What did you say? Okay, thinking about sorry. Job and what? Yeah, thinking about, since our last conversation, I was thinking about perfection and Job, and so I just kind of 
sometimes I just kind of bounce around. So I probably read, I don't know, not very yeah. many, like 15, 15 chapters in Proverbs. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, yeah, yeah I it was a fair too. So, Yeah, I actually read James uh, the, the other day also. Oh, you did? Yeah, I've been bouncing around um, a lot, too. Just really, like, I really, I don't know, there's certain books I want to get back into, but, like, I started that new Bible, you know, so I'm trying to get through the books, like, I haven't read through in this Bible yet, and so... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've been, um, today I was in, uh, in this one, too, I don't, I don't understand, like, I really wish, like, I had more, like, you live closer, or there was other people around that I could just sit down and just study and glean from the Word, also, because I read First John, Today, again, well, I read all three of them because, of, you know, second and third John are super short anyway. Yeah, but like, so short. First John, I, that's got to be one of the books of the Bible. Like, I struggle with both. Like, every time I read it, I'm like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> like, really? Like, it's like the Holy I mean, I know it's the Holy Spirit, right? Like, yeah, but I don't know, man. It's just like, I I struggle with that book. I don't understand. Is that, is there a verse? In first, I think it's First John that says he was not the appropriation for our sins, but for the sins of all mankind. I think so. Yeah, he did, yeah, and not only for I think our that's sins, first but for the John. sins of the whole world. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I I was once in a conversation against someone who was very very hard five point Calvinist. Um, yeah, and we were talking about um, they they believed that like. God, you know, they believe in predestination, so God died for some and chose not to die for others. And then they they say that is because, as you can tell, I'm not Calvinist. But he was saying, because God loves some people with a saving grace, and then God loves some people because they're his creation. And so if you're not the one that's loved with, like, the love that God chose the people that he cares to save— you're still loved, but you're not loved enough to be saved, basically. And so I remember bringing up that verse, and I don't remember what his response was, but I kind of think that sort of debunks a fair amount of that argument. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that the, the other way you could take that verse, though, is probably an error. It's what we talked about last time of the whole, um, what, universalism or whatever, like everybody gets into heaven. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh yeah, interesting. I haven't thought about it like that either. Yeah, because then you say, "Well, he died." Yeah, he died for all mankind, the sins of all mankind. So I think people have done that too with that verse. They already, you know, kind of tried to do it. But he did. I think that's the understanding of it is that he did die for all the sins, the sins of all mankind. Like you're nobody special except that you repented. So it's like, right? It's that. It's kind of that weird thing where I like. I, I left it out of, like, that little book I wrote. Like, I almost put it in there, but I was like, this is going to get so twisted if I actually do. But it was, a, it was <laughs> yeah. something like I had written down, and it was, like, it was basically just flat out said, God loves some people more than he loves others. And the mm-hmm. concept, like, the the concept in which I was referring to that, too, is, like, that, that um you, like, if you really think about it, it's kind of true because love has to be received in a sense, you know? It's like God loves all the world. Like, he poured out his love, gave his life, like, gave his son for the whole world. But it's like only those who actually acknowledge that and receive that love and return their love back are able to experience that love. And so it's like, it's kind of like this give and take sort of thing where, like, like, God could 
love you as much as he can, but if you don't acknowledge his existence, then you never get to experience it. And so you're kind right. of not being loved. Like, you know, you're kind of... Right, and it's yeah. you're not actually getting any of his love because you're not receiving any of it or returning it. So it's... Yeah, it's kind of this weird thing, but I was like, man, if I... I'd like tell people about that, or especially if you just write that down and give it to someone. It's like, man, I could, I don't know. I don't think people would. It'd get twisted so fast. <laughs> I think it would. Do you think maybe like a better way to say that is God loves everybody equally, but uh, people more than others are able to like experience and live in that love. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I think so. like because it's like his think... his part is equal. Right, I think yeah, it's just yeah. like the two-step process in, in in our part in the repentance and then resting in that is where that kind of gets lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess like the context I was thinking of it into is like like if uh, if I like love this girl, like just absolutely love her, like love her with all my heart, and then it's like, well, like she's not really ever going to be loved by me if she doesn't even acknowledge my existence. Like, she could go on living and never realize that I actually love her if she doesn't, like, actually know I exist, sort of thing. And so it's like she never actually gets... Like, I love her all I can, but she never gets any of that love. So she's never really loved... So that was kind of the way she's like, I'm loving her, yet she's never really loved by me. And so God can kind of do the same thing. He can love us, but we're never really loved wow. by him because we don't. So that's kind of how I was thinking of it. But I was like, yeah. it's very, very hard to explain. You know, and so it's like I don't. Yeah. I think when you put it in those in that, like, get that kind of picture of it, then it makes a little more sense. But I don't know. Mm. I don't even know. That's I don't beautiful. Get off on that. But I was reading a little bit in Song of Solomon to like I was texting you about, and I love that book so much. Yeah, so that's much. And I know you and I have talked about it, and we're on the same page with. I you know like I personally believe it's God and the Church, um, yeah. the Bride of Christ, and that is like what you just said about love. I love that because when I think about Song of Solomon, I think that is supposed to be so it's talking about a couple, right? Yeah, that is representative of God and the Church. So this is like the most pure, intimate form of love that we human beings can understand, and the way that they are able to completely love each other so much is by giving themselves completely over to the other. So yeah. God wow, and the church. Good. Yeah. So like what you were saying, the only way for us to be wholly loved by God and rest in God's love is to completely give ourselves up to him. Yeah. In kind of that same regard. That's really um, good, man. That's kind of, and that's not cool. only, and not only give ourselves, but like prepare ourselves too. And yeah. be beautiful to him. I love yeah. that, actually. That's really good, man. So, yeah, that is really good. Yeah, so like kind of the kind of like you, kind of like he says, like the commandment, like or you know, the only way, like you said, the only way to be wholly loved by God is come up to wholly love Him back. It was just kind of the commandment right. where he said, "What does the Lord require of you but to love Him, you know, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength?" Like, like that's and that's the only way for Him. Yeah, to be wholly loved by him, sort of, in a sense. Yeah. To wholly love him. That's really cool. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. I'm going to have to read that book again, like, with that, thinking about that, I think. That would be interesting. Do it. Do it. Yeah. That, yeah. That's one of my 
most favorite favorite books yeah because, that's cool like yeah ever man one of the things i love about it that i never really thought about was i mean it's it's pretty obvious that uh, he's saying very very much that his bride is beautiful right that she is lovely and he kind of works his way down her body and is saying that she's all like these wonderful things but I sometimes wonder if God thinks about the church like that now, you know, those are like some thoughts that cross my mind is like, how like adorned in perfume are we? Have we prepared ourselves like this? Does God think that we are beautiful? Like, like he should. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Just thoughts that were crossing my head was, uh, it's a beautiful picture of love and the love that he has for the bride of Christ. But it's also, I feel like kind of setting an expectation too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting way to look at it too. And I think like, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think you can read that book like with different perspectives. Like you're talking about too, as like God, Jesus loving the church and stuff, but then to also read it as, like, like you loving the church, like, trying to see what he sees, you know, in a sense. Yeah. Like, like I want to see your bride the way you see her, the way you describe her in this book. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, it's it's weird, because it's kind of a hard hard thing to say, because it's like, you don't, uh, you don't, like, not want to see the church that way, but it's like, it's kind of hard to see the church that way. Because when he describes her in that book, it's almost like she is perfect, you know? But then it kind of goes back to what we yeah. talked about before. Is like, well, if you just don't look at people's faults and keep forgiving and showing mercy, that then they are perfect, I guess. It is right. Like, so I don't know. Right, yeah. But it is, I never really thought of that until you said it before also. It was like, you just said, like, he, that part where he, like, describes her body and stuff. I never thought of it to take that as, like, as the church, like the body of believers and every member individually, like Oh yeah. Does that make he sense? starts at the top and he works his way down and he compliments every single part. Uh, that's really neat. Yeah. Using using like he compares it a lot of it's like nature, which is his own creation, which in the beginning he said was good and whole. And so I think that's also just like a little hint of like we're reflective of like what he's originally, the church is a reflective of what he originally intended uh, of his original creation, um, or it should be, at least. Yeah. But. That's, that's really, that's really cool. That is, that's a good book, man. That is. It is a good you book. Know, reread you know, it. Uh, what did you say? You should reread it. I should. There was one part I remember, like, thinking of a, a little while back, um, let's see, Song of Solomon. There's one part I love, man, where he, like, the, she describes him, uh, where the, you probably know the part where, like, the daughters of Jerusalem, they're like, what is your beloved, like, more than another beloved, you know? And they're like, what, yeah, like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then she, and then she describes him. She says, my beloved is white and ruddy, chief among 10,000. Like, I love that part, Ooh. man. That's one of my favorite Ooh. parts, but, like, What's neat is she gives that description of him, of, like, I guess, Jesus. And it says, like, his locks are wavy. 
And so, like, locks, like, just made me think of, like, no, you know how, like, the Nazarite style where they grow their hair long and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So being, like, being, like, set apart to God. And so it kind of gives yeah. us all of us this little, with his locks being wavy and stuff like that, it's kind of like, well, he has locks of long hair, so he's probably, like, one of those. But then, I don't know, I noticed it in uh, in Lamentation chapter 4. Seven. It says her Nazarites were brighter than snow and whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies, sapphire in their appearance. And so it's like, but then I don't know. I just that that description where she gives of him. It says like his body was carved with ivory, inlaid with sapphires. And then in Lamentations, it's talking about the Nazarites. It says they were more ruddy in body than ruby than rubies, like sapphire in their appearance. So it's like got the same. It almost like gives the same description. Mm, like when we're set apart, like when we're being set apart to God with a Nazarite vow or whatever. It's like we reflect that that same image that she gives of him or something. I don't know. Interesting. I kind of, yeah. To kind of resemble him more in a sense, and I don't know. Oh, that's so interesting. That's in. Yeah. What did you say? What did you what, say? What book is that in? Oh, that's in Lamentations. Limitations for okay, yeah, that's super cool. I'll have to go and read that. I never noticed that. Yeah, I didn't either. So I think like I don't, I don't know when I I finally noticed it, and I was like, wait, that description's kind of almost the same as the one Song of Solomon. And then I was like, it's really yeah, it's really I don't know, intrigued me that it was so similar, but yeah, yeah. How cool, that's, man. So is that your uh, is that your favorite book, though? You think? Let me think. Let me think. Do you have a favorite part in it? In Song of Solomon? Yeah. Hmm. I haven't finished the book yet. Let me finish it and get back to you. Because the last time I read it was quite a long time ago. Okay. I was like, I thought you read the book before. Oh, yeah. I've read it several times. I think if I had to pick one, it would be, man, maybe, it would be what? maybe it's like a toss up between Song of Solomon, Genesis, or Mark, probably. Oh, cool. That's cool, man. Probably. I think Melissa, um, my sister Melissa told me one time that she, uh, I think she said that Genesis was her favorite book, or at least really? the Old Testament. Yeah, I think that's what she told me before. But, yeah. Yeah. I that one. I read that. I got stuck in that for like a couple months and I just kept reading and then jumping other places and then going back to it. And it's like, it, it seems like one of those that I always get something out of it. Yeah. Every single it, time I read it. I Same um, here, man. So, Especially even the first chapter. It's like, I, yeah. I still don't understand it. It like makes no sense to me how just the first chapter of Genesis is, like, absolutely unending uh, with Revelation. Just yeah. to just keep going and keep going. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, have you... Do you know the Bible Project? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Have, do you know their podcast? No, I haven't seen their, have I haven't heard seen their podcast. They have no, podcasts. I, I don't listen to them very often, but they had one that said, People are trees, and I didn't listen to it. But that was actually something that I noticed in First Genesis. So yeah, we talked when, about that before, I think, right? 
I want to hear this. We though, talked about Genesis. it a little bit. Uh, yeah. So remember that thing that I showed you that I noticed, and I've seen this elsewhere since then. But there's like the symmetry in the days of creation. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he creates the um, what is it? The space and then the the substance or something kind of right. Yeah, I don't remember. It's like the first and the third day, and then the second and the fifth day, and yeah, then the yeah. third day and the sixth day. And yeah, so, like, like he, in one of them, he creates the waters of the earth, and the other, he creates the waters of the heavens. Um, yeah. But he actually gives the same commandment to the people and the trees and the plants. And he says, be fruitful and multiply and yada, yada, yeah. yada. Um, and since then, I've actually been kind of noticing a lot of, like I said, I haven't listened to their podcast at all, but this was something I was just beginning to see through Genesis is how people are compared to trees specifically. Yeah. Um, like people are trees. And that got me thinking, I wonder, this was just off. I have no idea, but I wonder if that has any significance with like Jonah cursing the tree. Uh, oh, that's neat, man. I never even thought about that. I That was something, yeah, I was just driving one day. I was like, I wonder what that could possibly... If, like, people are trees, right? Let's say that you can actually make that substitution. And I think that's perfectly valid sometimes. I wonder what that... If that has any other meaning other than, like, the literal. Yeah, what, what kind of tree was that? He, um... um I think like, it was a big it, tree. It gave him shade. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I, I don't think New King James says fig. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe different translations say different things, though, because I know that happens in it. But I know it gave him shade. Um, mm-hmm. And then a worm came and killed it. I don't know. Yeah. That's really interesting, though. I like to... I never really thought about that, too. I was like... I just... And it's one of those things where, like, I feel like historically it was probably you know a real tree but i like right reading it with that perspective of seeing it as like a person right uh, or just a people. A, yeah, yeah or or a people wow that's really good that was yeah yeah that's really interesting i like how i talked about so it can be kind of like i thought like i mentioned you and, and joan about the fish thing right yeah, like yeah. the fish thing could have been like a you know we could look at that as as a person also too a big a big like I don't know or a big, or a group of people that kind of swallowed them up and kept them safe for a while. So kind of yeah, the same absolutely. kind of, kind of yeah. the same concept in a sense like uh, yeah, a group of people it gives them shade and he finds shelter underneath it and then I don't know it's really interesting to think about though because then what is then what is this worm this small little thing that like comes and just causes exactly. it to wither away in a day. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. So that's something to chew on. Yeah. That's something I was noticing. And then uh, also the story of Joseph. I don't know if any of this is valid. I'm really just spitballing with you, man. I just bounce things off you that I've just been thinking about. Um, yeah. Reread the story of Joseph, and then we were going through that in church really, really slowly. So that was giving me a lot of time to just to, like, think about it. And I had never noticed so many similarities between the story of Joseph and then Jesus on earth. 
Oh um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like I've it's never similar. noticed that before. They're yeah. like identical in some uh, way. Yeah, almost. Yeah, God sent me before you, my brothers, to preserve life. You know what one scares me so much, man? That story. Like <laughs> it just, I was like, it's just one part, and man, it like pricks my heart so much. And just because, like, I think I may have told you this before. Like I. You know, when I prayed, like, that I would perceive this God's suffering and suffer the loss of all things. You know, I told you. Yeah. And Verona died after that. I remember, like, well, this is actually right before she died. This one, like, I, I mean, I was never without that dog. And I dropped her off at the emergency vet. And so I, like, went yeah. home that night. And I literally, like, for some reason, like, it was, like, probably three or four in the morning by the time I got home that night. But, like, the second I walked into my house, like, the first thing that came out of my mouth was just, like, you should be here. And, like, and it just, and then as soon as I said it, it was like, like my house felt so empty and so dead without her. But then as soon as they said it, it was almost like this click of like I'm partaking of God's suffering when, when one of his, when one sinner like doesn't make it to heaven. And it was just wow. like I got this, I got this picture of like me sitting at like <clears> this <throat> table in heaven, and I just look across from me, and there's an empty seat, and it's like someone should be there that I didn't reach, that I didn't that I didn't, like, get the gospel to or something, and they should be there. And there's this, like, empty space, and, the like, the hall of heaven feels, like, empty because there's, there's a wow. person missing. Yeah, and it's that verse, it's like those passages in the story of Joseph where he says, like, like, I cannot, um, like, I cannot show my face to him with unless, like, unless the lad is with me. Like, those parts. Uh, let me just find it really quick. It's yeah, kind of the same it. thing. It's like, it just, I don't know, it convicts me because it makes me think about that. And he says, um, let's see. Uh, I think this might be it. It says, and it talks about, like, you know, him, him something about, like, when Judah, it's this part where Judah intercedes for Benjamin and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's talking about his dad. That his dad, like the father, basically, and he says, um, but if you take this one also from me, and calamity befalls me, um, he, this, this is a Jacob talking about it, he says, you'll bring down my gray hair, or start of the grave, and he says, that's what, or no, this is, sorry, Judah is saying what, what Jacob said to him, and he says, now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, like at that part too, like the father's life is bound up in this in this life. He said it will happen when he sees, when he sees that the lad is not with me, he will die. So your servant will bring down the gray hair of your of of my father with sorrow to the grave, for your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore. Please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? Plus, perhaps I see the evil that was come upon my father. So just that part, I don't know, man. It's just that, wow. that part, like, convicts me. Like, how could I go, how could I show my face before God if there was someone that I clearly just neglected and didn't, like, preach it? It didn't even care about or preach the gospel to, and like they just went to hell because of my. And it's like, man, I don't know. Like, how could I actually show my face before God if the lad is not wow. with me? If that, if that, I don't know. 
that, that part in, I don't know why. So that's kind of like off base, I guess, of what we were talking about, the whole story being like Jesus. But that part, for some reason, every time I read that story, it always conveys me like that. I'm like, man, how could I, like, show my face before God or before Jesus, like, knowing there's this person that I should have saved? I don't know. It's just, it's heavy. Thinking no, about it that way. I'm not even sure that's wow, how I have never thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's how it should be interpreted, but that's how it, like, convicts me, and I'm like, I don't know. It, yeah. No, I, think, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think it's a good conviction to have. I don't know if it's a proper interpretation, Absolutely. but... but No, but yeah. it's a great conviction to have, because, frankly, I'm not convicted of that like at all in my everyday life you know that's like not something that i ever think about like what if this person goes to hell and then i'm sitting you know in yeah. front of god and he asks me about this like that never <laughs> well, comes up in I my say, everyday yeah, I mean, I, I'm on the same page with you like it's not in my daily thoughts like maybe it should be but I feel like they should i don't know i kind of feel like if it was in your daily thought all the time every person you walk by like, I feel like I'm so mad, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, you absolutely. Absolutely terrified all the time. Every single person you walk by, you feel like, what's, I don't know, maybe that's a good thing, though. Maybe you should just be like, hey, do you know Jesus? You have to know. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know, man. I was talking to this guy, the, the guy that runs the camp that I used to work with one day, and this is kind of related we were getting breakfast together and he was just telling me his, his view on what it means. Like, like his view on the motivation of sharing the gospel, I guess, and why you do it and why he does it. And this put it, I really, really like how he explained this. So I'm just going to explain what he said, but he said when he was growing up, his sister had really, really terrible diabetes and she ended up dying from it. I think. It was diabetes amongst some other blood problems or something. And they were going around and trying to get her tested and worked on and stuff. And they never had it. Um, And then she ended up passing away from it. And he said, if I had been given the cure to that, I would have given it immediately to my sister. But then I would have wanted to share it with every single person that, needed it right and he would have been so happy to give it and so he said that's kind of the way that i like to approach sharing the gospel is not out of like conviction because i have to but because i have this thing and i'm excited to give it to you because of what it's done for me and 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 does that make sense so like yeah it does i i think in that regard you wouldn't go mad because you you're not like carrying the burden of all of humanity on your own shoulders, but you know you have something like invaluable with you. Does that make sense? And he said that like this was probably five years ago we had this conversation, and it really stuck out to me. I've remembered that ever since um, because I just really like the way that he phrased it. Um, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, but like I I have this thing this cure, and there's this problem, and of course I'm going to help you with it because because I care about who you are. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really so. good. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, very convicting, regardless. 
Yeah, it's kind of that more of a, a yearning and like, like I guess, of your heart to share it, you yeah. know. Because you know how valuable it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so what true. similarities did you see between Jesus and the story of Joseph? I'm just curious. Um, well, his brothers throw him into the pit. He goes from the pit to the prison, you know, to the palace. I don't know. It's just kind of like they basically kind of kill him. His brothers come against him and then kill him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, um, so it's just kind of, it's kind of on the same story, you know. Uh, he goes before his brothers, his vision of greatness. They're going to bow down to him. And they're like, they, what is this dreamer? Throw him in the pit. And then, um, I don't know, it's just kind of the whole, the whole, the whole I feel like the whole, it's kind of, the, yeah, like they almost the exact same story, like you said. It's really yeah. interesting. And he's favored most by his father and everything. Um yeah. He's, he's clothed yeah, exactly. in, he's basically clothed in, like, you have this picture of him being clothed in the glory of God, in a sense, because it says, like, God's, the the appearance of God's glory in Ezekiel is described as a rainbow, and then mm-hmm. Joseph, Joseph is clothed in a cloak of many colors, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, he's kind of clothed in this rainbow, the same way God is. So you have this kind of, like, you know, the sun... Perfect. I don't know. Being closed in the, I don't know. It's just kind of like there's a lot of similarities, a lot of like yeah. symbolism. Um, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, what I like how he like goes to the prison too. I don't know. It's just kind of the whole story is just great, man. But what what about you though? What did you see that was um, mostly similar? mostly all of that? The first thing that like really jumped out to me was we were talking about. We were sitting in a church and I was reading and it was the part where they say, okay, let's kill this animal and drench his clothes in it and say that that's his blood. Um, and I was like, that's interesting that the shedding of imperfect blood led to slavery, whereas Jesus' shedding of perfect blood led to freedom. Um, and I was oh, that's like, really neat. I wonder, yeah, so like, Kind of like the two covenants. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. I didn't think oh, about you, that. I thought that's where you were going with it. Like the sacrifice oh, no, of animals. I, was, I mean, that, okay, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I was headed. That's, but that's I didn't neat. completely make. But yeah, so that's kind of the direction I was headed. And I was like, that's very interesting because... Yeah, I never saw that before. Huh. Yeah, so you have, like, this chosen son, right? You have Joseph, and then you have Jesus. And Jesus shed his blood, and... Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and then... I thought... There, it's also very similar with uh, Potiphar's wife and Satan being tempted um, or trying to have temptation thrown on you. Um, and then I'm trying to think of other things. I saw a couple of really cool things that I don't exactly remember. I don't have my Bible in front of me. Uh, there was one part, too, I remember where it says that his brothers basically come against him because of envy. And uh, he has brothers oh, envy them. And then I know in the Gospel it says that like that's why they crucified. That was one of the reasons they crucified Jesus was because of envy. Yeah, 
Um, I don't know. So I heard that part kind of reminded me also. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, exactly. I, I don't understand, and I know there has to be significance to it, is the whole Jacob-Israel thing. Um, like, when God, when God calls him Jacob, then he'll call him Israel. And it's like, back to back throughout that story. And I'm like, why is he Israel now? Why is he Jacob now? Why? I just don't really get it at all. And then, and then God, you know, God he wrestles with Jacob and then he gives him the name Israel and he says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but I'm going to call you Israel. But like, that was like chapters before the Joseph story anyway. But then, and, yeah. Um, but then what's like really interesting to me is Genesis chapter 46, verse 2. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. <laughs> it's like... Oh, interesting. I'm like, yeah, it's so, like, I think that intrigues me a lot, too, because there's only, like, there's very few parts in the Bible where God calls someone's name twice, and that's one of them. And it says, after right after calling him Israel, God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night, and he called him Jacob, Jacob, twice. And it's, like, like this emphasis on calling him Jacob. And I don't yeah. understand why. Like, I, I I really wish I knew why. Like, I'm still, like, oh. Interesting. Because you have other characters that had names changed that never go back. You never hear that ever again. Yeah. So I would assume well, that there, yeah, that's definitely something there. Yeah. I have no idea personally, but that's really cool. Yeah, most of them, like I don't, I think most of them he doesn't go back. I think it's man, that might be the only one, Jacob and Israel, where he he does that. Yeah, I, don't, I, think I mean, people can have can more than. Of. Yeah, people can have more than one name, though. Like name, though, because I, I know that happens in the Bible too, where they'll, like, not uh-huh. so much a name change, but they'll be given another name, like, and it, they'll go by both. Like Esau is one. Esau and what is the other one? Edom is what it's called. Esau. Oh, Edom. yeah, yeah. And Edom is kind of like the the nation, I guess, but it it says like multiple times it says like Esau is Edom, like and so it like makes that distinction that they're kind of the same. I don't know. I think right. the, the part where it's like most clear to me of the reflection or the of like Jesus and Joseph like is when he reveals himself to his brothers, you know? Um, and it's, uh, yeah. Let's see. <clears throat> Joseph made himself known to his brothers in the part. Um, yeah, exactly. He says, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. And still five years in which there is neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. I don't know. Yeah, to me, Is I that like, three years of famine? Uh, I don't Two years and still five more years to go. There was like seven years of famine, I think, right? Yeah. I think it was, yeah. yeah uh, I, I didn't know if you had said it was two or three. It was a, it was a long time. 
Which is like that's not interesting too. Like even in the whole symbolism of Egypt, I mean, it's like set, and then Egypt being stuck in seven years of famine. It's like well, every anyone living in Egypt is like suffering famine. Like if you if you look at uh, like I know we talked about it before, the symbolism of like Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon and stuff. And so if Egypt yeah. is just the world's way of doing things and like mm. doing things according to like you're living on a very like earthly earth system, like just. Yeah, kind of like just the very natural, natural like everything is like very natural to you, and there's no um, spirit basically. It's just all by your own strength. Everything they're constantly living in famine in that sense. Then you'll never be satisfied. But it's kind of like the Book of Ecclesiastes, like vanity of vanities. Like you can eat all you want to, but you'll never actually be satisfied. You can get all the riches you want, but you'll never be satisfied. Right. You're constantly stuck in famine. Do you think, so there's, I don't know what I'm actually saying, but I think it's, so I completely think, I'm sold on the fact that I think Egypt is symbolic of just worldly, like, operations, I guess is a word I would use. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I am too. Do you now. think, it took like, like the years fact, to get there. can you read that verse that Joseph said again? Uh, like what what Joseph said as soon as he revealed himself to his brothers. Yeah, that they sold him into Egypt. Um, yeah. When he says, "I am uh, uh, over oh, Pharaoh's house." Yeah, he's, oh, that last part. That so one. now, oh wait, but God sent he's me. Like there to, yeah. Um, God sent me uh, before you to preserve a prosperity between the earth and to save. Your lives by great deliverance. So now not there you. We go. So, so to, now not you. To preserve. Oh, oh yeah. Part, preserve yeah. Yeah. So uh, another similarity I saw between the story of Jesus and the story of Joseph was ultimately, the, like, in Jesus' case, it was Jesus' blood. In Joseph's case, it was, I think it was like goat's blood or whatever they killed to drench on his coat. But the shedding of blood and then the subsequent imprisonment ultimately led to the provision for mankind. Um, So in the spiritual sense with Jesus, it's redemption. And in Joseph's case, it's very literal. It's food. And so do you think, like, maybe God working through Joseph in Egypt to preserve mankind is kind of showing that God has the, or can work through worldly like operations and the natural too. Like, like there's ways that those things could interact. Do you see what I'm saying? Because Egypt was the one to prepare for the famine. So Egypt was also kind of like the hub of, um, I'm losing my words. Hey, oh. can you hear me? Yeah, I think it cut out for a second, but... Okay. How much did you hear? Um, I don't know, so you were, you were saying that, that God was using the worldly system to accomplish things? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or working, so. working in that. So that that makes me think of like all, all of our old conversations about like doctors, kind of. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a weird way. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, and like I guess through finances too and everything. Um, finances too, yeah. Yeah, just the natural way of of living. I mean, I think you have have to, and even in, I mean, you could even look at even food or something, you know, and uh, you're, I don't know, like I mean, like the the body needs natural things, you know, right. so. Uh, yeah, so I, mean, I don't think that's off base at all, or with right. or with medicine either. Um, yeah, that's I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it, so the fact of like him being lord over Egypt is what you're kind of saying. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes I, I think the problem I think where where that becomes a problem is we lose sight of him being lord over Egypt, and it's more right. like Egypt, he, like he gets pushed out of the picture, or Egypt is lord over him, or the thing. Right, right. Like Pharaoh's his king all of a sudden, rather than uh, him being king overall. Um, right. I think that's probably where the error is. I guess when there is one, but right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, I love, like, one of my favorite parts about, I don't know why, it's just, I, it's not really, I guess, my favorite, it just stood out to me so profound, I really feel like it was one of those verses, like, God emphasized, you know, um, but it's, um, it's just that part where it says, Egypt is a broken reed, like, Egypt is a broken reed, yeah. so it's like, if you lean on it, it breaks, and your back bursts, like, your back yeah. goes down, and so it's like, if you actually start to lean on Egypt, and that's where you put your trust, it's like, it's going to break and it's going to fail you. And that's the sad thing to me, because it's like, then you have doctors, you have, like, all this great stuff, and, like, that can really, really help people, but you see it fail people so many times, and it's, like, it's so sad when that happens. And the other problem, too, is, like, you see, like, uh, the people abuse it. Like, I don't know. It's just really... Yeah. It's really interesting, like, looking at the symbolism of that, of, like, to me it is, or, that's what I mean, like, it took me a long time to get there, it took me, like, at least two years of just, because I started to see it, and it was just, I had to keep, keep reading the Bible, just precept upon precepts, you know, scripture upon scripture, before I really started to see Egypt that way, yeah. and then and then Assyria, as, like, Egypt is, like, the world's way of doing things, but then Assyria is, like, the kingdom of, like, persecution and tribulation and, like, oppression and stuff like that. Because, basically, they produce fear. Like, they're not necessarily seeing much fear, but they try to get you into a place of fear. But then you... And it's like, you have a kingdom that is, like, that is how it makes its living. And we haven't seen natural kingdoms that way, that try to do things that way, through, like, forcefully, you know? And really forced away. And... But you have that in the health system also. Like, so you take medicine. You have natural medicine, which is like Egypt. Like, and you have these people coming to Egypt to get natural medicine. But then you have this other, like, bigger corporation or the medicine, like, whatever you call that, the pharmaceutical corporation, like, totally abusing And it's like Assyria abusing, like, conquering Egypt and then putting the people under persecution and pressure through that. I don't know, it's just kind of weird, like, these kingdoms lay out on top of each other. You That's know? very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. thought about that. And then it's like, yeah, 
That's what I mean. Like, that's why it fascinates me so much. Because, like, as soon as I drew that picture, too, you have, like, Tyler and Sullivan are, like, the feet, basically. <clears throat> Which is, like, just, you know, money. It's, like, the tra- it's not necessarily just money. It's, like, the transfer of wealth. Like, it's not a bad thing at all. It's just that that's kind of like God's bank. Like, the rivers, they float on the sea. And the sea is, like, multitude nation. Like, it's just people. And the sea is like, so it's like Tyre and Titan are able to transfer that wealth throughout. I don't know. So that's kind of harder to explain. But anyway, that's the feet. Above that is like Egypt. Then like the torso part would be like Assyria. So like you have one on top of another, you know? Like they kind of reign over top of each other. And then, but then the head is Babylon, which kind of just is the reason. Like, I don't know, Babylon's just, we talk about in the Bible means confusion, but it's just pride and self-seeking and selfishness. Yeah. And that's in James, because we both just read that recently, actually. It says, where pride and self-seeking exist, then confusion and every evil thing are there. Hmm. So it's like then Babel, and because Babel means yeah. confusion. So then Babel and everything are there. When, so I don't know. It's just, it's hard to like... That's so interesting. Yeah, it's hard to like picture in your head. That's why like, drew out a picture to actually, like, try to help explain it. Uh, there's a part in the book where I, like, wrote all that out and stuff to try to make sense of it. Really, honestly, like, it was you who told me that one time that I think you said that was, like, one of the things I shared with you that you felt like was probably the most profound. And then when I put that in, like, a little book that I did, that's, like, the one part, like, I really, really want people to look at most. I don't know if anybody has. The part about, gonna, about Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. Yeah, probably, I think. Because I see almost everything in regards to that lens now. Yeah, and it's so it brings so much clarity when you start to see it that way. Even in reading the Bible, it, it just it like everything it like makes sense and you see you see the spiritual kingdom still working today. And it's like how but it makes total sense though, because if you have a heavenly Jerusalem that we always talk about, why wouldn't you have, like, a heavenly Babylon that reigns over Babylon, you know? Right. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm sorry if you think no one's read it. I'm sure someone's got something out of it. Oh, no, no, I'm sure people have read it. I just, like, I no, I just mean, like, I feel like that's the part, like, I want. It's like... Yeah. Well, I guess that, that necessarily isn't either. <clears throat> but, like, maybe it's not the main part. But I feel like I really want people... And I put it out in there, like, please really, like, look at this and think about this before I went into it all. Yeah. There's a big section. Like, I mean, it's like three or four pages, maybe five. Of oh, yeah. Going it's, into it. It's a big idea. It's a lot to wrap your head around. Yeah, it's it really is. It's a forever. But I love what you just said about Egypt being the broker read. That's, like, one of my favorite things, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, but yeah, I think, read. like, as far as... Yeah, so the the problem with Egypt is when you lean on it, it breaks, right? Yeah. But we know that God can definitely divinely work through Egypt. Yeah, so I mean, it doesn't always so I think, Yeah. I, yeah, so I think like in, if Joseph, if the story of Joseph, if people were leaning on this broken reed, it would kind of look like, um, Joseph's brothers saying, oh, there's a famine coming but let's not worry because Egypt will provide for us. 
and yeah. then they don't, right? But that was never their approach. They they ended up finding out after the fact that Egypt was like God's method of provision. And I think that's a kind of a cool outline to see, for, even for my own life, like how I need to kind of interact with like money and food and things like that and be like, okay, this is God's method of provision right now. And I don't yeah. think it has to be natural. Does that make you sense? You know what's very, you know what's really interesting? I never like thought about it that way until I, I think it may have been Jonathan Peugeot talks about like symbolism okay. all the lot. He may have been the one that said it, but like um you kind of have got like so there's a famine in the land and it's like he mentioned it as in like that's God not providing for you sort of in a sense. Because like the rain of heaven is cut off and like like the rain the the earth the rain like from heaven, the heavenly waters has been stopped and the earth is like not producing on its own. Like, so, like, there's this famine in the land, whereas, like, God's not causing it to rain. God's not causing things to, things to grow. So it's, like, like God's, like, the, the provision isn't coming, like, supernaturally right now or something. I don't know. I just never, like, thought about it. I don't know if that's correct <clears throat> looking at it. I just had never even thought to look at it that way before. Of That a famine is God not providing for you? Yeah, but I mean, I guess when you really think about it and you read the scriptures, that's kind of what happens. I mean, it's like... Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, God even says that, like, oh, you you haven't received the latter rain because you've been acting like a harlot. Like, he says that in Jeremiah. And it's like... um, And then he even says that about Egypt. Like, I was just reading Deuteronomy, and it says, like, God brought you out of Egypt, the place where, like, it was like a vegetable garden, but you, you watered it with your foot. Whatever that means, you know, like you water. Yeah, it, I don't like, know. <laughs> I think I think that means like you're carrying, like maybe they're carrying buckets of water from the river. I don't know. It just kind of reminds me of like toil, maybe or like work to actually water oh, it or something. Yeah. But he says, but I'm gonna bring you into a land of promise where it drinks rain from heaven. You know, like it drinks the mm-hmm. rain of God. You know, like it drinks. So it's kind of like you, he does give that symbolism in a sense. So like when there is a famine, it's almost like the heavenly provision has been cut off or something, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But then it's interesting to think, too, that, like, you can, like, they did, they did go to Egypt. But I do think it's very important, though, in the sense of, like, they didn't, when they, when they did go to Egypt, though, they didn't, they lived in Goshen, you know? Yeah. So it's like, they, they never actually, like, they were still separate from Egypt, even, like, Getting oh, the provision, like, yeah, they were they lived in Goshen, which I think actually means like drawing near. I don't necessarily know the symbolism of that. I don't know if that means like <laughs> drawing near to God, or there's this place of like, I don't know. But they yeah. they did, yeah. There was this place, this separate area, the land of Goshen, like was where they stayed. Like it makes a distinction of like they're not in Egypt. Like there's there's a part in I think it's in Jeremiah where God gets on to him and he's like, because they go back to Egypt, he keeps telling them, don't go to Egypt, don't go to Egypt, and they go back and he says, you went as far as like, is that how you say it? Or, it's something like that. As as Tassanese, I think is what it's called. I don't don't know. I can can see it in my my head, but I don't know how to say it. Yeah, yeah, the part I'm talking about, but it's basically when I looked at it, I think that's like, that that was like the very capital or like the very heart of Egypt. So it's like, 
they not only went to Egypt for their provision when God told them not to, like, but they mm. went to the very heart of it. Like, they went to the core yeah. of it. Like, I don't know. And they get rebuked pretty badly in that. I don't know. It's really interesting. That's what it means. It's a hard thing to balance because it's like, yeah, you have, like, obviously Egypt needs to be there, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all because, like, even what about the people that aren't Christians or don't believe in God even? Well, that's all they have, you know? And so it's yeah. like, Egypt's not a bad thing, but then it's like, you have clearly God telling you not to trust in it, though, and not to, that's not where you place your right. confidence and everything. Right. And so there's that's like these strong, yeah. there's these strong rebukes that, that come <clears throat> with going to Egypt, and there's like these warnings where he tells you not to go to Egypt, then there's these other parts where, it's, I don't know, it's just, yeah, it's weird. That's super it's kind of, weird. It's a yeah, it's a hard thing to like balance, I guess. Like like you said, mm-hmm. it's not not always clear. Um No. I think it's more of just yeah, not placing your trust in it. Just having things in order, I guess. Um, like who's who's king, you know. Like So in a way, it kinda seems like we're all living in Goshen. In Goshen? Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Things like that. Like we're all kind of in, in the natural, right? We do depend on money and food, yeah. but we are set apart specifically. Yeah, yeah, strangers and yeah, yeah, pilgrims. Yeah, set apart. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to. I haven't read those in a little bit. I'd like to go back and read those too. I feel like I'm not really. I don't have a lot of um, clarity to talk about it <laughs> right yeah. now. I guess because I'm like. I feel like I need to go back and reread those parts again. But yeah. yeah, it's it's weird like too, like I just know that the the clear and it seems like God gives us this message like clearly about Egypt too, is that it gives birth to bondage also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So and, I mean you see that in people's lives too a lot. I don't know. Anyway. And not just like and not just bondage either. And yeah, and I'll let you go soon. I know it's getting late and probably oh, no. but even no, it's even like recurring bondage too. So like I think of the Israelites saying like we should have gone back, we should just go back. It's like something that kinda lingers too. It's not something that's you're done with it and then Egypt is in the past either. I've seen that in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm not like saying I'm like innocent of it either. That's what I mean. No, neither am I. It's a tricky thing to like not, yeah, to not become reliant on something. Because like you said, I mean, God can give you provision. He can bless you and give you like lots of money. And then it's like before you know it, you're that's what you're depending on, and that's your your God. After a while, I don't know. It's yeah, it's hard. It's just, but I mean, I guess it's I guess it's not hard if you really just make an emphasis to have a a special time with him every day and really, like, you know, actually, like, set a part of your day to give him, like, to spend time with God, then I don't think it's... It yeah. really probably isn't as hard as, like, we're making it out to be, I guess. Whereas, yeah. But, I mean, I've had problems with that, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but I I see in my own life that not becoming as much of a problem whenever I do exactly what you just said. And part of my routine for, like, the past, I don't know, like, decade now, maybe, has been 
thanking him for everything that he's given me, like the breath that I'm breathing and for the day and for this life and for the people that, and just trying to like, I mean, making a, I'm doing two things in that, or I've been trying to every morning is a make myself recognize that I'm wholly dependent and this is not mine, but then B to genuinely thank him for that gift now that yeah. I've kind of reminded myself that uh, I I don't rely on it, that it's all a blessing. And so, like, I really like what you said, actually, with the a famine is when God is not providing. The flip side to that is whenever there isn't a famine, God is providing. And so just the fact that I do have money and food and, you know, a wonderful church and people I can talk to and you and things like that, you know, that's not a famine state at all. And so trying to recognize that daily, I think is yeah. super helpful. And like I said, I don't have that down, but I think that's probably just like the, the struggle that we're going to have to put up with for a while. Dude, I think that's so important too, though. Like keeping that perspective is just what you said is giving him that, giving him Thanksgiving, you know, like give giving yeah. him thanks all the time. It's just like really, um, yeah, I think that helps you keep that perspective just when you can, when you just, or even when you just force yourself, not even keep yourself, but like force yourself to be thankful um, or yeah. to just go through and like list off things you're thankful for really helps you see. I mean, yeah, because naked we came in this world, naked we're going to go, everything is, is, yeah. You know, we need to be thankful for everything. And then yeah. it's like, but I like that part in the one of the epistles where he says, I've I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I, I've, you know, I both, mm. both when I abound and suffer needs, like to be thankful for both. Like, yeah. I don't know. I really like that concept too. Like, even when I'm suffering needs, I'm thankful for it. Because yeah. it's like, I don't know. There just needs to be this thankfulness that comes through it. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. just... Because I think even in times of need, there's still so much to be thankful for. So, yeah. like, I think one of the things for me is definitely, what like, one of my biggest life changes that I've ever had was actually that accident at the property with Natalie. Because I knew that it could have like ended really, really badly for me and yeah. or for Natalie, you know. And so ever since then I've really genuinely felt thankful for being alive. Yeah, um, wow. And so that was that was really huge and that's played a big part of it. But like That's really I, good. Man. I think like with that regard even in times of need, I've not had too many problems, like still being thankful. Cause it's like, I'm still like my heart's beating and I can still enjoy just like being on this world that you made so beautifully. Right. So I think there's like some things that can never really be taken away. Yeah, that's good. That's pretty convicting to me. I need to be more thankful for that. <laughs> Cause it's good. I think like, and, like, I mean, I'm not saying, like, my, my thankfulness and my joy comes from, like, the experience that I'm having. But, I mean, like, you can walk outside and just, like, 
I feel like sometimes it's almost God putting on a display of how much he cares for me specifically. Yeah. No, I, I, um, and I, I completely understand that. And that's good. Yeah. And like, you only keep that perspective. Like I, that is convicting to me. Like I need to get back to that. I think it's just been like hard personally for me the past, at least the past year. And hopefully I'm coming out of that. But just there's this part in Job where he says, Oh, that I were, it really started to resonate with me, but he says, oh, that I were as in months past when, like, when the friendly light of God, like, shone on me. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, yeah. I just kind of felt the past year was just like, man, it's like, I just feel like the days before were just like, man, the sun shined brighter on my shoulders, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, in w- in uh, what regard? Like, what, for you? I mean, there were, exactly. like, back, I don't know. Like, I know it's not smart. Like, it's not... Because that scripture convicts me also in Ecclesiastes. It says, like, do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. So it's like, I know not to say that. Like, I know not to look at, like, the years before when, like, I had Verona or, like, I had this or that or just, like, things were just, like, more joyful or you see things seem like maybe easier and I'm like oh like I don't want to get some sort of nostalgia like desire that more and think they're better because it's like whether they were better or not it's like whether it's like I don't I don't really understand it's like I don't know I it's like it's not wise to ask that question like even if like like, even if this next year is worse than the year before, for me, like, it's still not wise for me to, like, ask that. Because, like, I guess in that sense, too, like, maybe the reason it's not wise is because even if I go through a year where it's, like, worse for me, well, what is that in the overall picture? Like, it could be better for other people, and then it could be working in that year. It could seem worse, but really it's working something in me that's going to, like, make the next few years even so much greater. So it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's like wise to ask that question, but at the same time, like, I don't know what you said to convicting me because it's like, I need to, there was a time, and it was actually right before I started coming back to God, and I know it was God putting the words in my mouth, but there was a time, like, I just got to walk with my dogs, and like, like you said, like, I know what you're talking about, because it would just be like a beautiful day, and I would just sit there and be like, it almost feels like, wow, God made this day just for me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, man, yeah. I, need to get, I need to get back to that. Like, it's, it's, it's yeah. you said that, because. No, that's like one of the sweet, I've, I've kind of, I know what you mean, kind of like ebbing and flowing away from that. I think for me, it really boils down to what I think God thinks about me. And in those yeah. moments, I know he loves me so, so much. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, like, I ebb and flow between God is a judgmental God and God is a loving God because I can't wrap my head around it all at once. And depending on what I'm reading, what I've been thinking about, you know, I kind of have these different viewpoints. And so I think I have different views of, like, what God is thinking about me as as I get convicted on certain things and then as I read different uplifting passages. And so I've seen a direct, correlation between feeling like God made a day for me and how I think God is thinking about me, if that makes sense. Like, I think those are very, very closely related, but it's like the best feeling in the world 
because then it's just like, I don't know. It's really sweet. It's, it's very, very sweet. I don't know how else to say it. Um, but I, really yeah, good. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I like that, man. I like how God works. Like, I don't know. There are like different members of the body and God works different things with different people too. You know, like, uh, yeah. like for, for you to grow in the revelation of that and stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just love that. That's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of too, though, I wanted to mention this beforehand. I know we should probably go here in a second, but it was all the way back when you were talking about people being like trees earlier. Like, I kind yeah, of yeah. talked about people being like animals, too, because we talked about that before. We can do that another time. But it was that... Um, oh, yeah. That part, it, came, it was kind of after we got off that subject, but then I thought about it, and it was in, it's in Daniel, chapter 4, where John talks about King Nebuchadnezzar. So you have like kingdoms or people, individuals as trees also? I know you're aware of that, but you kind of have a kingdom being symbolic of a tree also. Oh, oh like yeah, uh, I guess so. a body of people, like, you know, in a sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, and You yeah. were even talking about Like in Ezekiel, he says, he says um, to, I think he's talking to Assyria, and he says, who are you like in greatness? Or he's like, mm. you are like a cedar in Lebanon. Yeah. Like basically, you know, okay, Paul, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so like a whole kingdom being like that. But in Daniel chapter 4, it's Nebuchadnezzar, and he says to the angel, he says, go and chop down this tree, you know? Oh, Which is, interesting. That's a really interesting passage. Here, interesting. Because, because he calls him a tree, and he says to go chop down this tree. So he calls Nebuchadnezzar a tree, and then right after that, he starts talking about him as a beast. And he says, you'll... Be, your heart will be changed from the heart of a man and you will be given the heart of a beast. And like he says, you're mm-hmm. going to like eat grass like an ox and stuff. And so it's it's really interesting because you have both of those, God comparing a man to a tree, like you said, or we can, where we can sometimes compare people to trees. And you have the other, the other side in that same passage where he compares them to animals also. So, Interesting. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's one of like that's one really of my cool. favorite little passages for looking at what, that. What what passage imagery. is that? I just got home. I'm going to write that down so I can do oh, that tomorrow morning. Dan- Daniel chapter four. Cool. Yeah, and I put a part too, like where it says you'll be your heart will be changed from the heart of a man and you'll be given the heart of a beast. Like I wrote, I think it's First Samuel sixteen seven, where God does not see as man sees; God looks at the heart. You know. Mm. So yeah. like if, God, if God's looking at the heart and he's now given the heart of a beast, then now God sees him as a beast. You know? Yeah. Which is Ooh. really kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's wow. That's that's so fun. <laughs> no, I don't know why I love it so much. <laughs> it's like, that's really oh, God cool. Sees, God sees that person as an animal. But, it's, but it, he, doesn't, <laughs> you know, he still acknowledges he's a bad. But it's still like, I don't know. But it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's funny. I like actually was like getting thought about posting. I did another video like just in my car yesterday, and I yeah. I was thinking about posting it. But it was actually on people being like animals. But it's I mean it's funny because like we all do that naturally anyway. Like you know you call someone a jackass or like right you know or it's, I, like a rat like a rat is someone who like you know is or like you know a snitch someone sings like a canary or something. I don't know like we right. have all these like references to people being like animals and stuff and so I don't know like it's kind of weird because like we don't really know a lot of times when we read the Bible we don't notice that 
that God does the same thing, but we as humans just do it anyway. It's like, well, where do you think we get that from, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I like the trees aspect, too. I like, I'm going to have to watch that some more, too, because I like looking at, um, I tried doing that before also, the different kinds of trees and, like, what they symbolize and mm-hmm. stuff. And that always, oh, read, oh, here's one to look at, man. Um, and people being like trees and plants. Look at Judges 9. Okay. Yeah, look that one up. Because he goes through a list of trees. Uh, the fig tree, the olive tree, uh, the grapevine, um, the thorn bush, uh, like the bramble, I think is what it is. I think there's one other one, too. The Interesting, yeah. The olive tree, did I say that one? I don't know. But that was just kind of interesting because he, he said, then the tree answers back and says basically what what the tree does like to the I think it's uh, the tree says should I cease giving my good fruit or something like that like they each like answer something back of like a characteristic that they do you know and so it's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. trees like I don't know uh, and then he compares you know uh, Israel and the church to the olive trees in Romans 11 like I don't know. It's it's mm-hmm. all over the Bible, like you're talking about, man. It's yeah. Good. I'm gonna start looking more for that. That was just something I noticed in Genesis, but that's super cool. I wrote that down. Judges nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'd like to look at that too, of more like, and even in the natural too, just looking at different trees and being like, what are the similarities of like characteristics of them that could be applicable to people and stuff? Yeah. Like um. What was I thinking the other day, man? I can't remember. It may have just been... I don't know. I can't remember what I was thinking about. I don't, I don't know. But it's even just the different different plants, like, I guess outside of the Bible, too, might be kind of cool to look at. But yeah, I like the ones that in Scripture mm. where you get... Um, like, yeah, he actually describes them a little bit. God does. There's more that... There's some that are more prominent, too. I'm still unclear on the fig tree, the symbolism of that. I feel like the fig tree is symbolic of repentance, but I don't know for sure. Oh, interesting. I could be wrong. Because I've heard a lot of people say it's symbolic of Israel, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me at all. I've like, heard I, that too, actually. I, I, they just take this one passage where Jesus says, watch the fig tree, um, where he's talking, when you then he says, when you see the like the tender branch like in the the fruit almost there like you know that summer is near like behold it's at the door he's like talking about watching about the end times and so everybody says like well watch Israel Israel's the fig tree and I'm like that doesn't make any sense and Luke he says watch the fig tree and all the trees and so I kind of like that he says and all the trees um but it doesn't make sense to me because of all the other references about fig trees. And I'm like, I don't know. I can kind of see how it can be taken for Israel, but I feel like it's more about, like, the sweet fruit and the good fruit that the fig tree produces. I feel like it's that fruit of repentance. Mm, I don't know why. I just really feel that way because it's like, it's that one passage in Luke, too, where he's talking about repentance and he compares, and he talks about this fig tree that's not producing fruit. And he says, let me dig around it and fertilize it. And, the, and, and next year, if it, bear, if it bears fruit, then good. And after that, you can cut it down if it doesn't bear good fruit. 
And then Jesus mm. goes to the tree. He goes to Israel, literally, and they're not bearing fruit. And he goes to the fig tree, walking by it, and it doesn't have fruit. Of, I don't know. And that's why I think it's repentance, because you have, like, at the beginning of the Gospels, you have John the Baptist, and he, he the Pharisees come to him, and he sa- he tells them, he says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Like, every tree that's not bearing fruit will be cut down. And then Jesus... Mm at the end of the Gospels, walks by this fig tree that has no, that doesn't have any figs, and he says, and he curses it, and it's like it withers away. And I just feel like the fruit of the tree is the fruit of repentance. I don't know why. I just feel like that's... Interesting, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can help me with that one, too, if you kind of watch it. Because in all the way back to Genesis, the first mention of the fig tree is there's no fruit on it. Like, they take the leaves of the tree and cover themselves yeah. up with leaves. And it's like, they they don't... There's like, I don't know, there's no reference to the fruit of it, though, but they take the leaves and cover themselves. And then, I think it's in the book of Job, he says, if I've been like Adam and covered my iniquity in my, and hidden my iniquity in my bosom or something like that. So it's like they were trying to cover up their sin with the leaves and not actually... Interesting. Yeah. I don't, and not being, I don't know. I just, I don't know why. I've just kind of always felt that, but I don't feel like I have enough scripture upon scripture to like make that clear distinction of like, it's kind of symbolic of, um, of the, like the fig, the fruit, the fig tree is symbolic of the fruit of repentance, but I don't know. But the other ones I feel like are more clear, like, like, um, bread, like grain and stuff, is kind of strength of the heart, the strength of your spirit, sort of. Um, there's, a, what, the vine, like wine and the vineyard and, like, the vine are all kind of symbolic of joy or pleasures, which can mm-hmm. be a good or bad thing, you know? Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about that. And then, what was the other one? I don't know. It's all in Judges, too. And then, oh, the olive trees, like anointing or honor or glory or something. Yeah. Like, I guess, yes. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Watch the fig tree, man, and tell me about it. See if you get any. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Absolutely, man. That's so much. I feel like that's going to really sit with me for a while. I probably won't have anything for you soon. <laughs> well, it's interesting. <laughs> like, I like that you mentioned again that people being like trees. And then I feel like you can almost watch for people being like those trees or in a sense, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess you could have someone who's kind of like the vine in a sense. Like, when they come around, they just bring a lot of pleasure and joy to people around them. Like, you know, then you have someone else that's like, that looks like an olive tree because they're like, I don't know, they kind of have this, like, shine on them all the time. There's, like, kind of glory on them. Or yeah, um, I don't know. It's kind of neat to look at it that way, like you're talking about, as like individual stuff, and or even his body. Yeah, yeah, people. yeah. I don't know. That's neat, I man. Don't know. Um, I like, but that yeah, if I get anything else, I will definitely let you know. Yeah, like I said, it's early stages. Yeah. I know, man. I love I love talking. These are good conversations. I'd like to talk more about. I'd love to go into that more too. I love talking about like symbolism with you and stuff, or with anybody, man. That's, like I said. Oh yeah, absolutely. One of the most fun things. But I don't even know what time it is. Do you? 
no, I haven't looked yet. Oh, it's midnight. <laughs> oh. I'll probably get going to bed if that's all right, man. But thank you so much for talking. Yeah, you too, man. I I always feel like I get so much out of this. Me too. Me too. I like, man, I love like everything you brought, brought up and stuff. <laughs> It's really funny because also after every time I feel like there's like 12 different books of the Bible I need to go read right now. I know. You do the same thing <laughs> me. Like, but I, I enjoy it though. Like, even if you text me, you do that. You'll be like, you'll text me about like one scripture verse or one passage and then like, it'll bring up like, or then you'll like, but then you usually text me about like a completely different book also. So I'm like slipping through my Bible like crazy and then I'm like, man, I feel like I need to reread all these books. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, exactly. I actually was reading right before I called you. I was actually reading through Revelation again. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, that one's fun, man. It's just good. See, even like it's I, one of those that's like even if your head doesn't grasp it, it's just like so good for you, like your spirit to just read. Just you know, those parts where it's just like blessing and honor and glory and power, like to him. It's just like man, it's so good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I need to reread that. That's been a long, long time for me. Yeah, actually. there's another book. Let's just put them all on the list. There's another one. Let's just let's just reread the whole Bible. Yeah, why not? Sometimes I wish I could do multiple at once. Yeah, I, that would like that would be like if I could wish for anything, that would like be one of that would definitely be up in the top ten. Would be oh yeah, be able to read every single book of the Bible at the exact same time. At the exact right. same time. Yeah, I don't know, because sometimes I'll just go to my Bible, and I'm like, I have no idea what to read. I want to read every single book, and I can't decide. Like, they just all sound good, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not no, all the I time. I completely understand. But sometimes. Anyway, man, I can let you go. Sorry, I didn't realize it was this late, but... Oh, no, you're good, bro. Thanks so much for talking, and I'll talk to you soon, and then I'll probably see you this weekend. Oh, I'm yeah, still planning cool. I'm coming up, yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be great. I think my dad actually mentioned us going up there Saturday night or something. But you can come earlier too if you. Oh, you're going to want. the property. I think we. I think he is. But if not, I mean, I mean, oh. I think. Are you? What were you planning on doing? Coming to my parents' I house no or to Natalie's? Okay. I was. I was. Natalie just said, "Hey, do you want to?" So I meant to text her, and I totally Wait. forgot. But then she texted me, so that was fine. She said, "Hey, do you want to get together?" I was like, "Yeah." yeah. Because I, I wanted to see you guys about, anyway. Yeah, I would like that. I would like that a bunch, man. So yeah, it's like cool. But I think we're. So I'll probably just meet you guys at the property. Yeah, you could do if that if you're going yeah, up or, there. Yeah, or if you want to come earlier too, like Friday, then we go. Yeah, up, true. Or like uh, to my parents' house or something. I don't know. We we can figure it out closer to the. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I was talking but, to my parent, my mom today about that. And I don't know what they're doing for this whole thing, but apparently they're like in North Carolina starting to restrict travel oh, or yeah. something. So this is all tentative for me, I guess, at this point. I don't really know. Like, I have no yeah. idea what it'll look like by the end of this week. But we'll see. Hopefully it'll all be fine. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I can let you go. Yeah, we'll hang out this weekend. So. Sounds good, bro. <laughs> I'll all see right, you then. Yeah.